Thank you for joining the podcast of Clifton Baptist Church in Forest, Mississippi. Our prayer is that you will be blessed by a message from our pulpit today. Thank you for joining us, and may God bless you. Might as well, and if you haven't, there's no better time than to see that light today, okay? Uh, if you will, go ahead and be finding your way to 2 Peter for me. 2 Peter. Um, hopefully, because of our study in 1 Peter, you've maybe got that marked or... I know sometimes when I'm studying something uh, for a lengthy time, my Bible just kind of naturally opens to that point because uh, I've been there for a little while and it kind of gets worn in that place there, which is a good thing, by the way. Um, but hopefully you, you've, you've been in First Peter so long that you should easily find Second Peter, okay? Um, but as you're making your way there, um, again, thank you, choir, for uh, your participation in our revival services and being faithful to practice and to sing and everybody that sung specials. Uh, I, I really appreciate that. I promise you that makes a huge difference in what we do. Um, as we get to Second Peter, we're going to be looking at a, a, um, all of Second Peter, which, as you can tell pretty quickly, is three chapters, but... In a preacher's world and mind, that doesn't mean anything for time frame, okay? And, uh, but we're going to begin to look at today uh, knowing and growing, okay? Knowing and growing. And again, we're going to be uh, beginning in chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at it as we go uh, further down the line here. But as I was studying this text, and of course, um, you know, we were in revival this week. And so... Uh, you know, I was learning things from Brother Glenn, and I'm all fired up in my study. And so I quickly come to the conclusion that this is not going to be a one-parter. This is going to be a two-parter, okay? And so we're going to look at the knowing part today, and then we'll look at the growing part probably next week. But a couple things I want to introduce you to and get set the table, so to say, for Second Peter. Um, when we, and again, this is coming out of 1 Peter. When we get to 2 Peter, Peter changes his tone a little bit here. This is not um, the same uh, direction or guidance that we see in 1 Peter. As a matter of fact, the tone has changed so much so that many uh, Bible scholars and other people uh, argue the fact that Peter even wrote this. That's how much the tone has changed. That's how much... The trajectory has changed here in his writing. Now, that's not the case. They can argue it all day long. Peter is the author here, but he does change his tone. Those of you that have children, you know exactly what I mean by that. Uh, you know there's a time that you have to be serious, and there's a time that you can cut up and be funny and things like that. And so that's what we see from Peter. Now, as we get to this here, uh, to the second Peter in chapter 1, we're going to notice real quickly that Peter's first epistle kind of emphasized the grace of God. We talked about that uh, in, in, in our uh, direction of a hope in a world that is not our home. Peter emphasizes the grace of God. But in this epistle, a second Peter here, Peter is really going to emphasize the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God. That's why I wanted Brother Glenn to come. That's why I wanted to set the table for this because my hope as a pastor, listen, 
Uh, I, I love baptizing people. I want people to make decisions for Jesus. I want our membership to grow. But most importantly, what I want to happen as your pastor is I want you to grow in your knowledge of the Lord. And let me promise you something. Listen to me, church. Let me promise you something. Your knowledge in the Word of God and in the Lord will not grow one hour on Sunday morning. It just will not happen. It won't happen. So, we get to this here, and we're going to see Peter's going to lay out some characteristics for us all through, the second, all through second Peter here. He's going to lay these out to us. And these characteristics are going to be detrimental. They're going to be so important in how we grow in our knowledge of and for the Lord. So let's look at these beginning with the first two today, or beginning really with the first one today, in knowing and that knowledge. If you're able and willing, if you'll stand with me for the reading of God's Word, again, we're in Second Peter. We're going to begin chapter 1, verse 1, and I'm just going to read the first four verses today. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these yet ye might be partakers of divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Father, I pray right now that as we open up your word, that you would speak to us in a mighty way. Lord, allow our hearts, allow our minds, Lord, let our hearts and our minds desire to be to grow closer to you, through your knowledge. Lord, I pray our desires always to know you and to know more about you. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. I have so much I want to say this morning. And I promise you as your pastor, I'm going to do my best to stay in the lines today. Okay? Um, I'm going to do my very best. But I have a lot I want to say. I don't have an outline, and so there's no telling where we're going to go today, but I I'm, 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 um, have faith that the Lord's going to bring us through to this. First four verses of this first chapter here, we see that Peter emphasizes the knowledge, the knowledge, or the knowing, as you see on the screen behind me here. You'll notice that he mentions that word knowledge in verse 2, through the knowledge of God. Then he mentions it, all through Second Peter. That's just kind of the, the, the first emphasis there. But some 13 times in Second Peter, he makes a mention of or he makes a reference to knowledge. Now, what I believe Peter's going to lay out here for us, and those of you that know me well by now and know my organizational desires and uh, my planning will, and if you haven't, known that yet. You will over some time, okay? But I like to be 
I like to plan things. I'm a planner. I already know in my mind where I'm going to go next in preaching. I know, um, you know, in August of next year, we're going to have late night extra. I know, um, you know, I, I think way down the road, way. I, I, sometimes I miss the now because I'm thinking about what's to come, okay? I like to plan. I like to make lists. I know, I know. Some of you can just wing it and go by. I can't do that. I don't, I just, I can't do it. I have to make a list of things. And I think that's biblical. I do. I think that's biblical. Let me tell you why I think that's biblical. Because the Bible's full of lists, the Ten Commandments. You ever heard of them? You ever heard of the Ten Commandments? There you go. All right. Fruits of the Spirit. I believe that lists are biblical. Now, that's, that's my preference, okay? I'm, I'm taking that there. But, um, but I believe what Peter's doing here, he's laying, and we're going to see that <clears throat> through the word this week and next week. But what I believe Peter's doing here, or attempting to do, is to give us a list, all right, of how to grow in the knowledge, but also uh, how to know and to grow in our walk with him. So let's look at these, uh, th th this list, and let's begin in verse 1. This is what he says. <clears throat> he says, to them, because always, you know, the common thing to do here in verse 1 is to address who you're talking to. I've got to be careful. I about knocked over the pulpit there. He says, but to them that have obtained like precious faith. The first thing on the list, church, listen to me. The first thing on the list is Jesus. Period. He says, to them, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. So Peter's saying, wait a minute. If you don't have Jesus, the rest of this list doesn't even apply to you. So before you start reading the list, make sure you have Jesus. That's what he's saying here. So if you're here this morning and you don't have Jesus, we're going to have an invitation here in just a little bit. An opportunity for you. You don't even... Listen, you, there's, a, there's a misconception that you have to wait for an invitation to give your life to Jesus. Okay? You don't have to wait for church on Sunday to give your life to Jesus. You can, I know plenty of people that have given their heart to Jesus in their living rooms on their front porches, on a Tuesday afternoon, okay? But Peter's emphasizing here, hey, wait a minute, to them that have obtained like precious faith. Well, why is Jesus number one on the list? Well, the answer is obvious to that. Jesus should always be number one on the list. Every list we make should have Jesus number one. We're going to have trunk or treat. We're going to do something for the church. Well, we, what do we do? Our planning committee, which, by the way, whoever planned our fall festival on the day of my team's biggest get football game of the year, we got we to work on that, okay? We're going to have to work on that. But our planning, you know, we sit down, we plan these things out, and what, and which, what do we do? We talk about things we need. We talk about things we want to do. We talk about things we need to buy, things we need to make sure we have. Every time we do something here, the first thing on our list should be Jesus. I don't care if we're having trunk or treat. I don't care if we're having fall festival. I don't care if we're having birthday party for Jesus. I don't care if we're having vacation Bible school. I don't care if we're taking up donations for Operation Christmas Child. I don't care what it is. Jesus is the top of the list. And if he's not a top of the list, we don't need to do it. Period. If he's not number one on the list, 
we need to just get our little erasers out and erase that off of our calendar. So he goes on with this list. If you're going to have that knowledge, if you're going to have that knowledge, Jesus must be atop of the list. You can't grow in your faith with Jesus. You can't grow in your walk with the Lord if everything else is in front of Jesus on your list, on your priorities, on your daily life. Then he continues on, verses 2 through 4. He tells us that this, these, this, this list is obtainable. This li- everything that he's going to give us here we can obtain. See, I can make a grocery list. I can go down to Walmart here or wherever you shop. Sam's. We go to Sam's a lot. You have to when you got a kid like Connor. You can't just buy one pack of anything. But we can make a list. This is, and, I, and I've learned this, especially here over the past couple of years. You can make a list all day long. You can go to the store with the list in your hand that doesn't mean they're going to have what you have on your list. just doesn't mean it. I mean, the shelves are empty. Depending on where you go, they may not have what you want. Shortage, they say. But Peter here, he says, everything that I'm going to cover in this list, you're able to get. Look at, at verse 2 with me. He starts off by saying that, that these things are multiplied unto you when he's talking about grace and peace. Then in verse 3, he says, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. But what does he say right before that? He says, the divine power hath given unto us all things. Then he says in verse 4, whereby are given unto us. So Peter says, everything that I'm going to cover here, you have the opportunity to get. Beginning in verse 2, grace... And peace. That's what he chooses to start with. Grace and peace. And not only grace and peace, but that those two things should be multiplied unto you through knowledge. Through the knowledge of God. Grace is God's favor to the undeserving. You've probably heard it said, you know, grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. It is God's favor to the undeserving. God in his mercy does not give us what we deserve, but God in his grace gives us what we don't deserve. That's grace. So as Peter's laying that, laying that out to us here, he's saying you have every opportunity. Matter of fact, you do receive this grace. Church, God has been good to us. He's been good to us. He's been good to me. He's been good to you. There are many things. As I, as I, as I reflected back on my, my sermon yesterday and today, and every time I get to this point here, I get emotional just thinking about how good God has been to me. I mean, He's, he's, he's blessed me with a family. You know how hard it is? You, you all may, not, may or may not realize this. I don't know. Do you know how hard it is for preachers to have a spouse that supports them? That's not something I take lightly. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Why is that? 
God's been good to me. Been good to me. I can't tell you how many preachers I've had that have been my friend through ministry. Their wives don't support their ministry. They're not supportive. I, I come home from Tennessee yesterday. I got a nice addition to my home. Y'all might have seen it out there. Rocking chairs. I don't know, I don't know who, who, who I, it doesn't matter. But thank you, church, for that. Why is that? God's been good to me. I don't deserve that. You say, well, you're a pastor. I'm doing, listen, I'm doing what God's called me to do. I don't deserve that. But that's grace. That's God's goodness to us in our lives. So, Peter's saying, hey, you really need to get a grasp of this grace. And when you get a grasp of the goodness that God has, has given you in your life, when you get a grasp on the grace and how you really have received it, because listen, church, I know it's hard. When you wake up every day, life just becomes life. It's not, we begin to take our eyes off of the things around us, the blessings that he's given us, the opportunities that he's given us. And instead of, instead of those things being God's goodness to us, it just is a way of life. That's just not true. Those are, those are things that God has given you because of his grace. <clears throat> but the result of that grace that God has given us is peace. Peace. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 talks about it. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 through 7 talk about the peace of God. Through that grace, we receive peace. And it's always in that order. Let me tell you something about a list. Not only do I believe lists are biblical, I believe lists are in order. Okay? You put them in order for a reason. And Peter does the same thing here. He says, wait a minute, church. You need to get the grace so that you can have the peace. You must realize the grace and the goodness that God has given you in your life. You must realize that so that you can experience the peace of God. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not, for time's sake, I'm not going to get wrapped up in this. But peace, peace, I struggled with peace for a long time. I'm telling you this as your pastor in confidence. I struggled with peace for a long time. I didn't have peace in my heart. I walked an aisle when I was young. I made a decision. I repeated a prayer after Brother Glenn. But I would lay in my bed at night at 20-something years old. See, just don't have peace. Just don't have peace. I struggled with peace for a long time. But the reason I struggled with peace for so long is because I didn't understand, I didn't appreciate the grace that God had given to me. That's why I struggled with peace. <clears throat> Maybe you're here this morning and you're struggling with peace. Maybe you don't have the peace in your heart. 
Peter goes on here, after he mentions grace and peace, those first two things on the, on the list, and by the way, it's, it's, it's no surprise, it's no coincidence that usually the things at the top of the list are the most important, okay? But he continues on here, and after he talks about the grace and peace, he, he mentions that those things be multiplied to you, they be multiplied to you, he says, through the knowledge of God. So he talks about where these things come from. They come from the knowledge of God. You want to know why someone may, may struggle with peace? Maybe because they don't have knowledge about the grace. That could be one reason why. You want to know why anybody struggles with anything? Because they don't have the knowledge. They don't have the knowledge. I got into some discussions recently about is this sin, is that sin? Is that, you know, anytime, anytime a, a, a preacher comes around, people have a tendency to want to ask questions. And uh, I have no issue with that, uh, no issue whatsoever. Um, but what I want to do, though, is I want to not just tell somebody, yeah, it's a sin. They say, they say well, is, and I, I'm not going to go into it because I'm going to preach on it at some point. I don't want to spoil it. But they would say, is this a sin? And I said, yes, it's a sin. And now most people leave it at that. Bam, they're done with the conversation. Not me. I say, this is why it's a sin. Let me show you why it's a sin. And now sometimes, sometimes that's as easy as going to one verse and pointing to it and saying, this is why. Sometimes the Bible doesn't say whatever is a sin, okay? It may not say that directly. You may have to take a verse from here. You may have to take a verse from there. You may have to look up a, a, a Greek or Hebrew for instance, when I was having this discussion, I had to get out a, 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 a Bible that had Greek and Hebrew in it. But I should probably stop, huh? Yeah. We'll stop right there. I'll pick that. I'll pick that. That's to be continued, okay? I'll pick that up later. But a lot of times, why people don't understand peace or why they don't understand sin or why they have difficulties in their marriage or while they're not living, while, while things are not just quite going their way, a lot of times all comes back to their knowledge. Their knowledge. Paul said, that I might know him. That I might know him. I might know him. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 says, The people that know their God shall be strong. The people that know their God shall be strong. I was talking this morning. That's why we have a bunch of sissy preachers today. That's why we have a bunch of sissy church members today. Because they can't take this word right here and say, let me show you what this means and why it means that. The people that know their God shall be strong. What makes a strong church? 
You ask anybody in the Southern Baptist Convention, they'll tell you a strong church is one that has a lot of members. I don't believe that's a strong church. Listen, you say, well, what makes a strong family? Is having a big family a strong family? Not necessarily. You can have a huge family. You can have the biggest family reunion in all of Scott County. That doesn't mean you have the best family. What makes a strong church, what makes a strong Christian, is the fact that we know our God. That we have a knowledge of Him. That we have a knowledge of what He expects of us. That we have a knowledge of what He wants us to do. That we know that He sent His Son to die for us. Verse 3, I have to, can, I have to move along here, I'm sorry. I could camp on that all day. But verse 3, he says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all that pertaineth unto life and godliness. So he works on down the list. He kind of he begins with grace and peace. And now he's working on to life and godliness. And just like grace and peace, when he mentioned grace and peace, and that being multiplied to us, he mentioned it to us through the knowledge of God. So when he gets here, when he gets here to uh, this verse 3 of life and godliness, you see that he also says life and godliness through the knowledge. So he's continuing on that there. Life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Let's talk about life first. Life. Everyone wants to live life, right? Everyone wants to live life. No one questions that. No one, no one will ever question that. The real question is what life do you want to live? That's the real question. It's not do you want to live life. We all want to live life. I want my children to live life. As their parent, I want them to live a good life. Okay, that's, that's, Those things are natural to us. But it's what life do you want to live? And all of that, that may be different for you than it is for me. What life do you want to live? Going back to verse 1, the Christian life begins with a saving faith. Faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. If you put your faith in anything else, then your life is not according to Him. When you're born again into the life of faith, God gives you everything you need to live life. You have it. Brother Glenn, he, he talked about it, and he, I, I think he stole it from me. He won't admit it. But your eternal life begins the moment you get saved. You, you, you have eternal life from that point. You say, well, I'm going to live forever. You're living forever right now. Right this very moment you're living forever. begins, the, the, the Christian life begins with that saving faith. You know, most of the time, and I've seen this through my friendships, I've seen this through ministry, I've seen this through church life, some of you may have seen it through family and friends and co-workers as well. Most of the time, if you have someone that is doubting their faith, not doubting salvation, okay, not doubting salvation, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother Sunday, but doubting their faith, okay? Maybe things just aren't going well. 
for them. Maybe, maybe they are, um, as some people like to say, down on their luck. They like to use that term a lot, whatever the case may be. Uh, spiritually speaking, we would probably say that maybe someone is in a valley, okay? But whenever, whenever they begin to doubt, all right, or, 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 or to have a lack of faith, most of the time, when you have those thoughts, when you look deep into it, when I begin to ask them questions, if I begin to counsel them, if I begin to help them through it, most of the time, it's not that they are doubting their faith. It's that they are suppressing the truth with the wickedness in their life. They're not, they're, they're not, they're not just doubting their faith. They have things in their life, sin. They have sin in their life. That's causing a wall, that's causing a barrier, that's causing some type of distance between them and the Lord. Instead of a Christ-filled life, they have a life that involves wickedness. Everybody assumes if they're in a valley, God put them in that valley. Maybe you put yourself in that valley. You want to look around and say, how did I get, how did I get in this mess? Start with your sin. Start with that. I didn't mean to get off on all that. But that's just how it is. Most of the time, when there's doubt, when there's a lack of faith, when there's a valley, oftentimes we can point back, I can point back in my life and say, hey, I know, I know where that happened. I know where that shift took place. I know how I got myself here. What's going to be, church, I, I want to ask you these questions. I just want you to think about them, okay? I just want you to think about them. What is going to be your excuse before the Lord about your non-existent prayer life? When you stand before the Lord one day, and your prayer life right now is non-existent, you don't have one. You and the Lord are on a, on a um, uh, you, you, you pray to him when you need something. What's going to be your excuse? Lord, I just don't have time. I just didn't have time. You, you kept me busy down here, Lord. What's going to be your excuse before the Lord about that sin that you just won't turn from? See, what happens, what, I, what, what I've come to find out over time is that people that won't turn from their sin, they begin to justify their sin. Well, the Bible doesn't really say that. Well, sure it does. You're just flat out ignoring it. What's going to be your excuse of not being faithful to the Lord? It's, it's ironic because we want the Lord to be there for us all the time, right? Anytime we have a problem, anytime we have something going on, we want the Lord to be present for us, but we don't mind skipping out on Him. What's going to be your excuse? Romans chapter 1 verse 20 tells us that we are without excuse. We are without excuse. 
tell you something, as a parent in my house, by yours, we have rules. We have things that our kids know are rules. And they know if they don't follow those rules, what comes with that? Why is that? Because my kids are without excuse. They have no excuse to break the rules. Because the rules have been given to them. The rules have been told to them. Church, we are without excuse. Right here. As my stuff falls out, as my notes fall out of my Bible. We are without excuse. We have no excuse to do a lot of the things that we're doing in our homes, in our lives, in our minds, in our hearts, out of our mouth. He continues in verse 3 to say that he hath that we are called to glory and virtue. So he continues on with this list here. We have moved from, from grace and peace to, to life and godliness, and then he moves on to glory and virtue. Let's look at these for just a second. Virtue, okay? Virtue, that word virtue means courage. It is a courage in our life. Let me tell you something. Every believer should know it, it, it takes some courage to take a stand for Christ today. It doesn't come without punishment. It doesn't come without harassment. It doesn't come without judgment. It doesn't come easily, okay? But we as Christians must have courage to not waver from, to not back down from, to not cower down from. A lot of those sissy preachers I mentioned, the reason they're sissy preachers, they don't have courage. They don't have courage. Christians, believers, we must have courage. Virtue, Peter says here. It's the courage to excel. It's the courage to stand up. To stand up for God. We need to stand up and stand out for God. You know, the reason that most people don't share their faith the reason that most people don't invite people to church is because they are afraid they're going to be rejected. They're afraid they're going to get told no. Make them tell you no. Make them tell you no. I, can't I, I cannot tell you how many times I've said that in my life. When Tennessee was looking for a head football coach, and we've been doing that a lot over the last 20-something years, looking for a football coach, and they would they, they, every time I'd read a headline, there'd be... I'd be like, what are they doing trying to get this person or get that person? Like, why don't they call so-and-so? Well, he'll never take the job. He'll never do it. Make them tell you no. Make them tell you no. When you're, when, when you're sharing your testimony with somebody, when you're inviting them to church, I don't, I don't, I don't want to invite them because I, I know they're not going to come. Make them tell you no. All these things on this list are incredible. Grace, peace, life, godliness, glory, virtue. And he's not done yet. Verse 4. Whereby are given unto us succeeding great and precious promises. So as he's working through and he's continuing on with the things that are given to us, he mentions here great and precious promises. 
The good thing about God's word and, 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 and what Peter is mentioning here is God's word. How do, we, how do we know what his promises are? Through his word, right? So what Peter's referencing here, what he's talking about, that we have given to us is God's word. That's how we know we have these great promises and precious promises. It's a mention of his word to us. These promises are recorded and available to us through his word. And they're great. The reason they're great promises are because they're from God. You ever, uh, all right, now I am going to ask for some participation. Y'all ready? Everybody ready for this? Get loose. Loosen up. Loosen up right here. We're going to have some participation here. Raise your hand if you've ever made a promise. Okay. Right? Now, all right, here we go. Y'all ready for this? Raise your hand if you ever broke a promise. All right. Thank you for your honesty this morning. Listen, the reason these promises are great is because God can't break them. God cannot, will not, couldn't if he tried, wouldn't break them. If you got engaged to somebody and they wasn't worth two nickels, and you come to me, I might advise you to reconsider before you make a vow. I say, hey, you really need to think about this now. You really need to think about this. Listen, God has made promises to us. He's, listen to me, church. He's made a promise to you that I don't care how much you go back on him. I don't care how unfaithful you are. I, it doesn't matter. He's not going to break his promise to you. That's only God can do that. Only God can do that. That speaks to, that's why these promises are great and precious. Let me tell you something. Anytime I promise you something, it's not great and it's likely not precious. Okay? I, I, I do my best to keep my word, but his are great. His promises are great and precious because they cannot be broken. Praise the Lord they can't be broken. Let me tell you something. If God was ever going to break a promise, I'd be the first one in line. Hey, you should break it for me. Lastly, in this section here, and I'm going to, cl- I'm going to, I'm going to close out with this, okay? Lastly, in, in these first four verses here, Peter closes out with an experience on this list here. Because, see, you can make a grocery list all day long, and we talked about that. You can make that list. You can have that list in your mind. But until you actually go through with that list and go and get the items for that list, you really don't know how that list turns out. And so in verse 4 here, he closes out with a a little bit of an experience here. Look back at verse 4 with me. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Here we go. That by these, okay, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. That ye might be partakers of the divine nature. That word nature there that is used, it, it, it determines appetite okay <clears throat> excuse me it determines appetite what you have a nature for will determine what your appetite is period 
Some of you may have seen, and if you see, please don't disturb. We have, we're not even sure if it's ours or not, but we have inherited a kitty cat. Pepper, so my kids tell me, is his name. We have a cat, okay? I'm allergic to cats. I know, that's, that's a big, I know. That's a big back and forth thing right there, okay? But we have a cat, and uh, it's, an out, it's an outside cat, all right? It's, I mean, let me, let me just say that. It's an outside cat for those of you that think the cat's tearing up the house over there. It's not, all right? But last night... We, 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 we were out here, and uh, um, I come over because we, we thought something was wrong with the flag outside here. And so we, we make our way over here, and it's dark, okay? And the kids are with us, and uh, that cat follows us everywhere now. And so the cat followed us over here. Well, we got to right about where the sign is there, and I noticed an owl was coming out of one of these trees across the street over here, and come down and landed right in front of us. Now, someone, did we confirm that? Someone has told, no, not confirm that? Okay, I don't know. So, someone has told me that, that, that owls might prey on cats. And they will come and get that cat. And so that owl was coming for my cat last night. <laughs> is what was happening. I tell you that. Because that is that owl's nature. That's just a way of life for them. They don't know any different. They see my cat. They see prey. They see dinner. Fine. Like filet mignon dinner for them, I'm sure. But that's their nature. Listen, our, our nature determines our appetite. If our nature, if our hunger, if our desire is for God's word... You can't get enough of it. That becomes your appetite. And, and, and nature, your nature also determines your behavior. Okay? It determines your behavior. If, if, if your nature is God's word and to have a knowledge of him, then what do you think your behavior might be? Your behavior might be to come to Sunday school. Your behavior might be to come to church if you want to have that knowledge. Nature also determines environment, your environment. And I've got to hurry. I, I could give you a bunch of examples of this, but nature also determines your association. You want to be around. You want to associate with people that have the same nature, the same like-mindedness as you. If nature determines appetite, and we have God's nature within us, then we should have an appetite within us for what is pure and what is holy. If nature determines behavior, then our behavior should be like that of our Heavenly Father. If nature determines our environment and our association, we should have a desire to live that life that we talked about in the kind of surroundings which is godly. <clears throat> verse 4, and I'm really closing with this. Verse 4, that ye might be, that ye might be, 
You see that in verse 4? That ye might be, or by these ye might be partakers. Not everyone gets to be a beneficiary of this list. The Greek word that's used here is gynomai. 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 And that word in Greek literally means to emerge or to become or to transition from one thing to another. Like a transformer. When I was a kid, we would, we would have transformer. We'd play with transformer. You know, they, they would transform from one thing to another. The Bible is clear on transforming, and, and I'm sure we'll get to that at some point down the road. But it literally means to emerge or to become or to transition from one thing to another. I believe that Peter in verse 4 is pointing back to verse 1 here. He says, you can have these things on this list. All these things on this list are available to you. All these things on this access or you have access to. I love knowing that. How great it would be to know that we could go to the grocery store and everything on our list would always be there every time. <laughs> it's like impossible in our world. But for God, it's not. He says, everything you have access to here in this list, the grace, the peace, the life, the godliness, the glory, the virtue, the great and precious promises, the word of God. You have access to all those things and all those things will help you in knowing him and knowing him. Pointing back to verse one, he's saying, you can't even begin to understand or to focus on the knowledge unless you have Jesus Christ and a precious faith. I think it's great that in verse one, when Peter mentions the faith of Jesus Christ, or having faith of Jesus Christ, he, he describes that as precious. In verse 4, when he's talking about the Word, when he's talking about those promises, not only are they great, they're precious. Important to Peter, it should be important to us. Heads bowed, eyes closed this morning. Church, I know we've covered a lot this morning. I know we have just come out of revival. And uh, we've endured some pretty good knowledge this week from Brother Glenn. And my prayer here as we begin to look at 2 Peter, my prayer is that that would be our desire as well. You know, the things in our life that are precious, we value them. We value them. I know in our family, we have many keepsakes. We have many things that we've put up that have been passed down to us. We have things that are important. When, when, when our, our children were born, we would put them in outfits that we wore. All these different things in our life that are important to us that we have value because they are precious to us. Church, I want to ask you this morning, with heads bowed and eyes closed, we're going to begin to sing in just a moment. Right now, our, uh, they're going to begin to play for us, and we'll stand in just a moment. But right now, church, I want to ask you, 
Are those things precious in your life? Do you have a faith that is precious? Have you put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ? If your faith is in anything else, it's not precious at all. Is your faith in Him today? If it's not, here in just a moment, we're going to stand, we're going to sing. And as we do so, right now, you know right now, if you've called upon the name of the Lord, if you haven't this morning, when we stand and sing, I want to ask you to come down the aisle this morning. I would love to pray with you. I would love to help you. I would love to guide you. I would do anything for you. But church, I also want to ask you, as he talks about the promises of God and how precious they are to us, Church, I want to ask you, do you put value in God's word like you should? Listen, I've been there before. I've taken this Bible for granted. I've been guilty of of going elsewhere to to try to figure out things. We we are in in a Google world today where everything we want to find out, we want to try to find it out on Google first. May his word be where we go first. May it be what we hold to a value higher than any other today. So church, if you're here this morning and you haven't valued God's word like you should, and and, and I'm confident that that's most of us in this room this morning. If that's you today, why don't you come down to this altar in just a moment and say, God, today you've been so good to me. Your grace has been shown to me in my life day after day after day. You've been so blessed. You've been so good to me. Father, let me put put value in your word like I should. We're going to stand and sing. As we do, this altar is open. If you need to come and do business with God, you do so today. Lead us this morning.